Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. I'm excited to be back here again on a Saturday morning. It's 9.04 a.m., June 30th. Griff, how has your week been, brother? Week has been fine. Um, it's always fun when Bitcoin bounces a little bit, even though if even though that's not really what the show is about or what we care about all that much necessarily. It just gets the monkey off the back in terms of when people talk about Bitcoin you don't have to like i guess hide as much right now i don't know this is like my first real like 80 percent dip or real big bear market you know since i've bought it where i'm like man all right like i guess i look stupid to everybody right now do i care no but i <laughs> but i know what i look like like i'm, I'm a self-aware person i don't know how you feel about that like when you go throughout your weeks now that everybody knows full out that you are in support of bitcoin is it hard to like I don't know. Is it hard to like, you know, hide it? And then is it also like, is it easy to deal with everybody's comments? Because do people make comments like, I'm worried. Uh, what value does that have? Like all the stuff that you see on Twitter is actually like very, fairly true. For sure. You know, I, I think that this, I think that this is kind of an interesting conversation. And it's funny that you asked that question uh, because Janae and I were having a conversation last night, yesterday basically basically revolving around time preference um i think that this is a huge a huge thing to understand in a time like now where the bitcoin price has been down from what was an all-time high um and we've kind of fallen off over several months it's it's been it's been several months that the the price has been continually declining which for the people that don't understand the core fundamentals would say ah it's crashing i'm going to sell everything right um, we mentioned uh, we mentioned my dad a couple of weeks ago selling all of his Bitcoin. Um, that's just one example. And there are millions of others out there that are, that are people are selling. Right. But the conversation Janae and I were having yesterday and I was kind of sh- sharing with her like my thought process on how some of this is impacting me. I think that I've always been this way, but I think Bitcoin has expedited that awareness of that trait of myself. Uh, but I almost find more fulfillment in the prudence of living tight today so that I can so that I can have opportunity in the future with what I was prudent with today. And what I mean by that is instead of going out to eat at all these nice restaurants every single week and instead of going on all these killer great vacations like we see a lot of our friends doing, instead of buying brand new this and brand new that and brand new this and brand new that and being irresponsible with our money we're living a life that's maybe not so fun right now we don't do a whole lot of fun stuff we don't uh we don't eat out at a lot of nice restaurants we make a lot of food at home we uh we don't go on a ton of vacations we have a lot of staycations and you know thankfully we've got a pool here and it's summertime so we're kind of doing that that summertime pool vibes out in the sun right uh but but it does for sure get to a point where you're like, man, I feel like we're not having any fun. Like we're not enjoying life right now because we're stacking sats and we're stacking cash. Um, and right now we're in the process of buying our first home. And so we've been we've been preparing for these things along the way. And I'm super excited because it seems like the further time goes on, the more the more time that I've made money and been able to plan how I'm going to operate with that money everything seems to be working out according to plan. 
which is beautiful. I'm so excited about. So that's kind of my thought there is I'm finding I'm finding a lot of fulfillment and purpose in the prudence of today in the pursuit of tomorrow. So Yeah, that's a good point. When you are stacking sats, it is so interesting. I feel the same way. And Nick actually is now a homeowner. I don't know if we've said that on the podcast yet. He is about to pending, be a pending homeowner. sale, but soon to be. Absolutely. Soon to be a homeowner. He's hunting, he's getting a home. We're excited about it. And that's something that living in Northern California, as Nick knows, like I'd love to, I think I'd like to own a home, not because I even view it as an investment. I more like just want my own fo- citadel, my own fortress. You know, I just view it that way more than I view it um, really any other way. Like, I think real estate as an investment is interesting, but that's not really the path I've taken because I kind of view Bitcoin as the best investment there is. I mean, there's only 21 million. Have you guys heard that line before? One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. But uh, looking at Nick buying a home immediately, I'm on Zillow. I'm like, all right, like, let's get a home. Like, let's figure this out. And I got to be honest, it's just like still like even after that, like just buying like I bought a bunch of sats recently and very happy buying the sats. Don't really think I realize every time I buy the sats, I'm like, yeah, not buying a home yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, not yet, (laughs) you know, and especially where everything is so expensive where I live, it's just it, it is the ultimate like low time preference. And I was actually it's so funny. Sierra's uh younger stepsister we were taking her to olive garden last night and she's uh 17 like about to apply to colleges and the whole thing and she's like asking all kinds of stupid questions i mean i i know we were told there are no stupid questions but i i bet <laughs> we all at that age we're asking just like the, mo- the, the most wrong questions like the things that just do not matter and i actually told her i was like jade i just have to tell you something this might sound odd but everybody you're about to enter into college with um every person you're surrounded by they're right? all idiots yeah including including your parents to a degree have a very high time preference for you they're thinking about this very right now, right really now. inconsequential decision that is college and what happens at college and where you go to college and like all of this stuff it is inconsequential dude i have now in real life met more people learned more things and it's only been two years so I just told her, I was like, you guys all have high time preferences. Um, I don't think anybody knows what that means. But if you invest in a hard asset that you view really will only accrue like an immense amount of value over time. I mean, you're just kind of living a different life than everybody else. Are we going to get into a market check today, brother? Um, we do need to get into a market check today because as I was pulling this up, uh, look at what I saw. I'm just going to jump straight to it. Oh, Bitcoin shooting up again. That's kind of exciting, huh? Um, so, you know, if you guys aren't tracking the markets pretty regularly, which I think you are, um, you will have noticed here over the past couple of uh, days, and uh, I guess you could call it the past month, uh, Bitcoin is coming back up again. So that's exciting. We're, uh, we just literally had a shoot. Um, let's see. That's 11.05 a.m., of yesterday um we shoot up and where are we at is this up to today where is this at am i is my chart lagging behind what's the deal no you're good i've actually looked at the price this morning yeah it actually shot back up a little bit this morning my only morning right 
Yeah, my only thought on the price action is, is if we're in a recession, like if you believe in a lot like recession stuff, wouldn't everybody just consider this like a dead cat bounce? Like it's just bouncing and then it's going to continue to go back down a little bit. I know Bitcoin might at some point decouple from, you know, the S&P and a lot of these other markets just because it's a much smaller asset class. It has a fixed supply. It largely is more dependent on the next halving than it is whatever current market conditions are, which market conditions are not good. So I'm just wondering, like, where's this money coming from? I think I'd mentioned this last time. There are some new whales that have entered the Bitcoin market. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that. Very recently, especially since we now found out Tesla sold 75% of their Bitcoin. Crazy, and, huh? I mean, it's it's crazy, but I think at 24000 this is not financial advice. We should probably put that in our intro so that we don't have to say that every time we say something about <laughs> the price of something. But it's in the description. It's in the but description. I, but I shouldn't be giving financial advice. I'm just saying that it seems like at twenty four thousand compared to the S and P over four thousand, Bitcoin is a much better value. But yeah, Bitcoin- yeah. For those uh, for those of you guys that are just listening here, the Bitcoin price as of today, again June or July thirtieth, not June, July thirtieth. Um, we are sitting at twenty four thousand five hundred dollars. The S and P five hundred is sitting at forty one hundred and thirty dollars. The Nasdaq or QQQ is sitting at three hundred and fifteen dollars, and the Dow Jones is sitting at thirty two thousand eight hundred and forty five dollars. But uh, yeah, it's kind of exciting, you know, to see a couple of these shoots in the market. You know, I I'd be lying if I didn't or if I said that I didn't get a little oh oh. Oh, you know, if I did get a little excited about it. So um, what's well, fun but- because the only thing price does is it truly does validate everything we're saying. The market decides, you know, we can talk about how great the Bitcoin network is. We can talk about all the great benefits it's going to have for the little guy and how it's changing the world, how it could be the literally the greatest technology created while we're alive. But I guess because of it being a monetary asset, I mean, the price of it or the value of it in the marketplace has to go up significantly for us to, in turn, be right at any point in time. So when the price yeah. shoots up like that, when it shoots up 10% in a day, you're just like, see, this is this is what I'm talking about. Okay, <laughs> good. Well, it's, it's like, you know, over the past, you know, I really wish that the uh, the Apple stocks app showed the percentage up or down based yeah, on based on the one week, the one month, you know, the one day, whatever. Um, it doesn't do that, but let me look at this. So the past month, Bitcoin is up 21%. Guess who's talking about it? Freaking nobody. I know, <laughs> Nobody's right. talking about that. Everybody wants to talk about what it's down year to date. But if you can see in the tweet that I just pulled up, which our listeners can't, at $900, Bitcoin is too expensive. I'll wait. Then it went to 300 and it failed. Failed. 17000 and it was way too expensive. They'll wait. Then it went to 3500 and it failed. Told you failed, and that's reference by 2017. Then yeah. it went up to 68,000, way too expensive. I'll wait, just and now it's back down to 25,000, and everybody's saying it failed, but it just went up 21%. And Nick, you're absolutely right, nobody's talking about it because everybody feels like this is probably just a, a little bounce, like in what is an ultimate recession. But yeah. okay, what if Bitcoin is more recession proof than you think? Because it really should be during times like this. There's only 21 million, all of these huge asset managers. They could keep playing around in the bond market, getting killed by inflation. They could keep getting killed by, you know, China's not very happy that we're flying senators 
over to Taiwan. Like there are things in the marketplace that this big money can't control, but you can control how many Bitcoin there are. There's only 21 million. So if you just start buying that up, your money really is safe to a degree. But so you just mentioned recession here, Griff. Look at this here. Uh, everybody, everybody's seen it here. But second quarter, Q2 of 2022, we officially have two consecutive quarters of decreased uh, or no, sorry, of negative growth GDP. So real gross domestic product GDP decreased at an annual rate of 0.9 percent in the second quarter of 2022, according to the advance estimate released by the Bureau of Economic Analysis in the first quarter, real GDP decreased 1.6%. So you can see this uh, this actual visual chart here where it shows Q1 and Q2 of 22 are negative. Um, I have not read through this whole thing, but um, definitely, so definitely interesting stuff we're seeing happening in the economy right here. So Q2 of 2020 is so crazy like such an economic it's going to be an like i think in 50 60 70 80 years everybody will talk about q2 2020 like um the great financial crisis like that was the inflection point that's when all the decisions were made that's when everybody kind of uh in football terms because nick and i from a past life are football players that's when everybody's assholes got a little tight you know right there because they were like they didn't trust they didn't trust the market they didn't trust um you know, aside from the fact that they shut the economy down, they didn't trust, like, I don't know, and just like uh, basic principles, like not making rash decisions and not printing money and letting the market figure it out. And it could crash. Something like a pandemic could crash the market in a Bitcoin standard. I'm just putting that. I mean, it could. But that doesn't mean it's not going to come back just as fast if it is a good economy. Our economy, I think, if you can tell anything since Q2 of 2020 is as artificial as it can possibly get. I mean, like it is artificial. Everything is artificial about it. And I don't know if that's the world we want to live in. I mean, we can all play both games, right? Like we could play the Bitcoin game. We could play the, just throw as much money into the S and P as humanly possible in your lifetime game. We could play the social security game, but I think there are greater powers that be in terms of just like, general market principles a free market because the world is a free market whether we like it or not i mean i don't know what you think about that nick like there's obviously authoritarian governments governments with different economies but and in the world it is a free market it's just what jurisdiction do you live in like who do you have representing you at that time but it is a free market and i think within that like bitcoin is truly going to like spearhead just an economic revolution because it is a freedom technology like once the united states figures that out I do fully like, I do fully believe we will support it more than say Russia or China will. I do fully believe that the United States will adopt Bitcoin uh, much more graciously than these authoritarian states. And if they don't, I would start, I would start ringing some bells if I'm being honest, just because it's like, whoa, 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 yeah. where, where do we live? Uh, that's just kind of my thought. Well, it, yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting thought there, you know, kind of thinking about the, the macro global economy and, uh, and the major players in those, right? Think of all the major countries. Um, you know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is almost like an, uh, uh, an exercise routine in a sense where this is something that's, that's going to be, it's going to be difficult on the front end, but once you get it implemented, it's going to be really, really good for you, Right. And and here's here's uh, the kind of thought based on what you were saying there is that, you know, these countries like, you know, 
the Chinese Communist Party uh, or or the yeah the, the the Communist Party of China, right? However you want to call it, CCP. Um, what is that? What does that stand for? It's the China, no, it's Chinese right? Communist Party. You're right. Chinese Communist. Okay, yeah, I was right. Anyways, yeah, they, don't hide it. Uh, like, they don't hide it. They don't have a reason to hide it. Yeah. So so <laughs> those guys, Russia. I mean, like all all of those guys are the fat out of shape people that it's going to be really difficult to make that switch. Whereas what you're saying, you know, America with as much freedom that we already have compared to the rest of the world, we're like, we're like already in shape kind of, you know, we've already got some freedom in, in as far as being free market. Um, but it's still going to be a little tough on the front end. Right. But at least we're not fat and out of shape and we're starting from ground zero. Right. Right. I think in this current economic climate, I don't think any nation state has truly figured out what the best economy can be. But that's because third parties are very inefficient. Middlemen, more often than not, are much more hurting the situation than they are helping in most industries, especially when you're talking about a government. You know, I don't know if any country has medicine, you know, healthcare figured out for all, um, you know, homelessness figured out for all, like what the real price of a, a house should be. But that's why we preach a free market. It's the most fair way for us to get there. You can't say that we have billionaires in America because it's a free market. You can say we have billionaires in America because of an inefficient government, because of tax breaks, because of who you know type of market dynamics. Like, how does who you know factor into economics? Not really too sure, but very greatly right now. I mean, like, literally who you know can get you a job, who you know can be, make you an executive, who you know can put you into office. It does some crazy stuff, but I was going to share this little quote that I just saw on Twitter that I thought is a really interesting point about Bitcoin moving forward in terms of how is America going to regulate it? Like, how are they going to look at it? So Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast put a Satoshi um, quote up there. Imagine there was a metal as scarce as gold, but with the following properties. Gray, poor conductor of electricity, weak, not ductile or easily malleable. Not useful for any practical purpose, but one special magical property, transportation over a communications channel. Mm. That's huge, because when you're looking at it from a government standpoint, telecommunications, when you make a phone call, they can't tax phone calls. How are you taxing Bitcoin transactions if it's like a phone call? It's unconstitutional. It's not okay. Bitcoin is literally just an open source ledger on on a telecommunications channel. It's so amazing Like when you think about it like that because that is where you should go, oh, this it really isn't like gold. This really isn't like any form of money humans have ever seen. And that's a good thing. Guess what? Look at history. We've messed up money. We didn't, we didn't get money right. Like we haven't gotten it right yet. We've done the best with what we can, but because of the digital world being what it is, because of telecommunications and the advances in technology, like this is what money could be. And I think it's like, that's the paradigm shift that people need to experience more often than not. I don't know if that is shared enough, but it's like, yeah, we can talk about money and the price of it and everything like that. But guys, like we've messed up money. Like we had, we didn't get money, right? Gold is not like the best form of money for a, a number of reasons. Just like, paper money controlled by nation states is not good for a number of reasons but i don't know what you think about that nick in terms of like how are they going to tax a communications channel how are they going to really get away with uh, manipulating bitcoin the way they did with gold or the way they obviously do with paper money 
how yeah. is the government gonna how is the United States gonna do that? And then <clears throat> more more so, how is China gonna do that? How is Russia gonna do that? Can they do that? I mean, they do censor the internet pretty well, but can they okay. so think point? think about this, Griff. So this is the example that I think of to wrap my own mind around it is a phone call. If I were to pick up my phone right now and I'm going to I'm going to show everybody because I love you so much. If I click on my favorites here and I call Griff and Don and you get a call from me on your phone, who what person made that possible? Nobody. There was no person that made that individual call possible. Sure, we can talk about the innovation that happened all the way for the years, all the way up to this point, but that's not that's not where we're at. I'm thinking this exact call, that there was no person involved in that, right? That was an automated by a computer uh, operation that happened there on a communications network, right? Um, now, he, here's kind of the thought, and, and this is just to make my mind wrap around it. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of like a black box and that's the computer algorithm and operations and uh, all the code that goes into making, making that call automated, right. To where there's no person in between us that has to be there that has to press this button and flip that switch for the call to go through. And then I'm imagining Griff sitting on that side of me and wires connecting us. Right. That's, that's, that's literally what is happening here. Although it's much more complex we're not talking about necessarily just wires connecting our phone to each other to some box in the middle of us, but that's essentially what is happening, right? We're utilizing a third-party infrastructure, which is, you know, for me, I'm on AT&T, but the entire infrastructure that, that is connecting us, that's the black, the black box and the wires that connect us, right? Well, how, how does the government tax your phone call? You know, that's that that's kind of the same question that we're thinking about here is like, okay, well that we've, we've, we've more or not, how many people in America, if they started taxing phone calls, how quickly will we have a revolution? Like how quickly would things change? If every time you just called me, like you did, the United States government was like, and we will, we'll take a 10 cent fee. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Like, so, so <laughs> we've innovated up to this point, right? Right. And now we've got this new system that is significantly more uh, efficient. Right. Think of think of back in the day whenever there were operators on phones. I'm sure they got paid. I'm sure they didn't just work for free. I'm sure they got paid to operate that system. Right. They were the operator. Mm -hmm. They operated the system and they were paid to do that. And guess who paid for them to do that? It's the people that were paying for the phone service to utilize that infrastructure. Well, now we make that process more efficient by automating it with the technology that we've built and developed up to this point. And now we no longer need that operator there. Well, great. Now, now we don't have to pay that person. We can reduce our cost, right? Think about just a raw cost, not from a business standpoint, but just a raw cost. Now it costs less for us to do the same thing as before, and it's quicker it's, and it's more efficient it doesn't we don't have to have somebody there to worry about doing these things right now that is true that's what happens with innovation and technology bitcoin included um and and where this gets really strange right is the question you're asking is how could the government tax this well 
it's an automated, it's an automated process. And I don't know. I mean, that, that, that it's really, it's really a strange thing to think about, right? Because it's almost like, Hey, we, we found this huge innovation and it makes the, it makes the process efficient by 30%, makes it more efficient by 30%, right? You reduce your cost by 30%. And then the government would come in and say, okay, well, now that this is more efficient and it's decentralized and this and that and this and that, and we're not controlling it. Well, we, we need to, we need to tax this because, you know, yada, yada, we have to have control, whatever the, whatever the story is. Now we're going to add on 30%. And it's like, well, then what's the point of the innovation, right? What's the point of the innovation if, if we're not allowing that innovation to flourish and play out into the market, right? Which then comes back to free markets. Like the, the market must decide, the market has to decide, and the market does decide, right? Even thinking about the, uh, the people that live in China that are under the dictatorship of this, this central authority, right? Um, they, they still choose, that market still chooses uh, what they want. Now, but the difference is, is that the central authority forces you to operate in a certain way, right? But they, they don't have to want to do that. They can want to do something over here. And that is the market deciding something. But you've got an external force that's trying to push the natural current of the stream in another direction, right? Which can be done. And that's what yeah. they're doing exactly right now. I very much agree. I also, <clears throat> I kind of think from like just ex- that China standpoint, the CCP is promising them some way of life, some better form of life, which is why they're complying, you know, I think in the way that they do, you know, they're basically saying, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to make decisions. You just need to show up and we'll take care of the rest. And honestly, that's a very um, promising proposition for a lot of people. Uh, What we do over in the United States is a stressful business. People obviously like mental health in the United States, um, the way we eat food, how we are marketed to propaganda, things like that. There's obviously a lot of things that have been done for money that are not necessarily with the best intentions for actual human beings. And we've definitely let a few things run too far that I'm not so sure like something like the CCP would let happen. That's not me saying that we need to be communist. That's me saying that there's probably a problem with the money because people have enough time and enough money to just come up with crazy ads and marketing campaigns and find all kinds of different ways to support their big corporation with a good advertisement? Or how do we get people to eat more breakfast? I mean, a lot of those stories that you start reading when you read about marketing, it's like, oh, so none of that's true? No, like none of that's true. And furthermore, Nick, what will be interesting about how the government tries to tax it is if you're changing money to literally just signing keys on a ledger, and you are the network itself like once there's no more bitcoin dude all these miners and nodes more or less are just processing transactions for a very very small fee but at that point in time the in theory that small fee is like great and also if you think about it furthermore guys bitcoin and how mining works and how the network works it's trying to make it more efficient in terms of mining energy or what we're doing with energy so They're incentivized to do that. So where will energy be at in 100 years? I don't know, dude. If Bitcoin ran on nuclear, it wouldn't matter. It would just be something that you have to strengthen the network anyway. And so why I think the government is so afraid is that money in its current form is the only way that rich people and governments have had maximum influence. They will still have lots of influence, but if there's no if there's no need for them, like if the, if politicians truly are just there to 
you know, more or less just try to like be in the way, but out of the way, like just the healthy balance between corporation and people, because we know corporations don't want to see people happy. It's just that our government has kind of, you know, from 1776 to now, I would argue that it's definitely more in favor of corporation now than it was 200 years ago and definitely less for the little guy and more for the big guy now than it was 200 years ago. And ultimately that's the problem we're talking about because corporations are not, I mean, you might be able to get a lot out of them if you pay your people better, but at the end of the day, if there's a recession in the market, somebody's got to go. Okay. Like that, it's just numbers. It's not personal. It's business. And that, that really, in my opinion, is the only real need for government. That may be a little bit of like, I don't really see the need. What's the point of military? If you look at all wars and they're all based around money and money is now a communications channel open to anybody and everybody, then what, then how many wars are really truly going to be fought? I mean, for what? Like, what are we fighting for, guys? You can't have any more of the money than I can. All you can do is actually literally all they can do in war form is hash more. Who can get more Bitcoin? Who can validate more transactions? Who can secure the network better? And if you look at it from that standpoint, that means nation states eventually would start competing to try to own more Bitcoin, which yeah, I don't really have a problem with at all. If that's how they want to get involved. I mean, that's how they're going to try to keep their power. So that's which, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you read much into what I sent you on the chips app or the chick, the chips act where no. con- I guess Congress passed a uh, $52 billion funding to uh, the Chips Act, which is basically funding the research and development, uh, manufacturing, I think, and design of semiconductors here in the United States, which that's that's pretty much about all that I've read about the deal. And I guess uh, it, it did also say um, that the United States, one of, one of our top exports as a country at one point, uh, and I, I forget the years, but I want to say I want to say it was either like that the late 1900s or the early 2000s or something. But it, it was saying that we were a net exporter of, uh, uh, of semiconductors and that it was a huge import for us or a- export for us. And so, uh, but then we've, since then we've fallen off and, uh, and our um, semiconductor exports has dropped from 40% at whatever the initial time was to, 11% today. And so now they're going to fund $52 billion worth of research and development design and manufacturing of semiconductors, which again, uh, sounds nice. It sounds good. Um, sounds like, uh, it's maybe not a horrible thing, but I haven't really read much else into it. Um, uh, another thing that I saw Griff that I thought was hilarious that the Bitcoin Twitter plebes will love <laughs> was this post from field nas hammond of texas he said he posts this picture of this uh this asian girl and he says well it was bound to happen midlife crisis perhaps so many sought my courtship but this is the one we're engaged to be married in september i've sent her enough bitcoin to buy a house furniture and vehicle in singapore get visa 815 and can't wait to meet her in person. That's real. 
No, it's a complete joke. And so you guys, the the Twitter believes you guys know the deal. Like these are like these spam accounts. It's always these Asian girls and they all look, uh, they're all dressed and in, you know, like they're in nice locations in nice building, you know, whatever it is. And and it's always like shooting a message. Like, let's see if we've even, uh, oh, I don't want to pull that up actually. Um, anyways, anyways, I thought it was hilarious. And there were some, uh, there were some people uh, that were posting just funny stuff about it because you always get those spam messages, right, from pe- from from those girls, and they're like, "Hey, send me this, uh, send me this uh, Bitcoin, and I'll send you back more, right?" Or it's like, "Hey, I'm I'm into crypto. Are you into crypto too?" You know, and it's always like just some dumb message that you yeah. can tell is like a fake spam type of message. <laughs> but yeah man, they got to be getting people out there you know they got to be getting somebody out there but that guy posted it as a kind of a spoof i think yeah i mean i just don't reply i mean i just i don't i, I don't have much for the spam accounts i think it's <clears throat> i think it's a bug not a feature of these centralized platforms and i think hmm. that it's just a way for them to manipulate data and it's kind of a bad feature of the internet because it's kind of like one of those poor incentives where these social media platforms are really just incentivized for activity and um, you know, how much people are like actually watching this stuff for ad revenue. It's all ad revenue driven and create a spam account, try and lure kids to your account. We don't care. Just be an account and be active and like do stuff because that is what is getting us paid ultimately. So it's just like, it's another poor incentive structure um, that, hopefully we'll get fixed over well, time. Well, think about think about this griff too. We've had tons of conversations about this. Think about think about the sales world. Um talk about the incentives of that, right? So the incentives of the sales world is to make a sale and earn a commission on that sale, right? And obviously different industries are different. Some are very high volume sales, some are lower volume sales. Yada yada, right? We all, we know that that's a lot different. But here's the ultimate ultimate high time preference sales guy here's the pitch hi my name is nick burns and i've got a product to sell do you want to buy it from me okay that's not you're not going anywhere with that right that's that's so transactional based it's about right now today what can you do for me type of mindset whereas the bitcoin mindset would be the low time preference mindset would be Hi, my name is Nick Burns. It's great to meet you. Who are you? You know, like, let's get to be friends. Can we get to know each other, right? It's doing business on a relationship basis. It's forming relationships with people over time. But again, you know, uh, industries are different. Some industries are much more, you have to go directly for a sale uh, pretty early on, or you're not going to get the business. Others, you know, like my industry in commercial construction is a much slower sales, sales time. Uh, it's a longer length of total time, meaning I'm forming relationships over several months and, and in some cases years um, in order to get to a point where we then do start sending business back and forth at, in a business relationship, you know, um, talk about the difference between so they're, proof they're, of work and proof of stake in that sense. Yeah. So, but the question that we're kind of answering or talking about is, what value do sales bring or is the commission like, does it, is it ultimately a net positive or negative to the situation? Well, no, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about incentives 
Right. But from from the perspective of high time preference, low time preference, proof of work versus proof of stake, right? Those are kind of the opposites. So thinking about sales and the incentive structure for proof of work and a low time preference mindset. And then also think about the incentives for somebody that is a, a proponent of proof of stake and the high time preference mindset. Yeah. I guess I just kind of think about sales as more of like a market driven um, necessity where it's like there are a lot of sales, like you're saying, that are very high time preference, very like, you know, just get this done quick and more or less you may not need them. You may need them. But in a lot of for a lot of reasons, I feel like salespeople are important because most of the time consumers don't know anything about the product and the owner can't sell to everybody. So the, so the salesman, you know, if he's a good salesman, doesn't just, you know, try to run you up and get the biggest commission possible. The greatest salesman has a high time preference or sorry, low time preference and gets to know you a little bit and gets to know that if you make them a good decision here and maybe you don't take your biggest commission, they'll come back for a second car or boat or whatever you're selling. It doesn't matter. But Mm -hmm. I feel like in the market, it doesn't matter what standard or what the money is. There will always be a need for like commission-based sales because you need to employ people to go sell it. And you also need somebody to come in and buy it who doesn't know anything about it. So it's kind of like, it's always kind of a necessity. I just feel like it's like, depends on the market, depends on the product, but it's kind of like something that is like sales is a necessity. I think it's kind of wild. And maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm extremely biased because I'm in sales and the economy is not doing well. But sales is something that you always need. I mean, obviously, some companies need them more than others. Obviously, there's a lot of software and websites and things like that that can do a pretty good job in replace of a salesman. But sales has true value if you talk to the right salespeople. Like if you go to the car dealership and you know what I'm talking, you go to the car dealership, you know, a guy that works at the car dealership, your friends, your boys, you get an under the hood look at like everything they're actually doing. And you see that they do provide value, but they also like, they're getting paid quite a bit just to provide that value. So if you know a little bit in return as a consumer, you can get a lower price just because you kind of know the game a little bit. And I feel like maybe there's poor incentives around that, obviously, because you're just somebody's trying to get more money from the other person. But at the end of the day, if you're an informed consumer, which it's not that hard to be an informed consumer, you have to look up the product before you buy it. It doesn't really matter what it is. Just do like a little 30 seconds, even your Amazon stuff. Just go watch a YouTube video. What times is YouTube down, video? Yeah, just scroll down on the reviews. I promise you somebody's probably reviewed it and somebody's probably been like, no, yes, no, yes. Um, but the incentives, yeah. I mean, there's obviously, it. it's more or less, I don't know if it's a bad incentive. It's just an interesting, I don't know. It's like playing poker, dude. Like, you know, you play poker with somebody and you might be bluffing or are you bluffing and you're just sitting across the table from them for a $50,000 pot. It's like, you just got to read the other person. And I don't know if that's, a bad incentive. I just feel like nowadays people are scared of those interactions. Mm. People don't want to be in those interactions anymore. Mm. You're in sales too. You know, it's like <clears throat> we both work in sales though, where are, we're selling, but there's mutual benefit. Like there's a lot of benefit for everybody that goes around. So it's well, you know, so, so Griff, really I think it's important to note too, because we, you and I have a lot of conversations about this just privately. Um, you know, and we always talk about these things uh, in, in, from a strategic standpoint with the assumption, because we both know each other so well at this point, with the assumption that we're operating with a 
with a good, good focus in our mind, right? We're not what it's not. What can I get from this person? It's let me actually get to know this person. And then at that point, you're not acting like you care. You just care. You should care. Yeah, Don't I, act like you care. Just care. If you if you show up and uh, and you know, like I've the guys have been making fun of me for a little while because I've gone into some meetings with some pretty big people and and I'm just the same dude that I am today. You know, I, I show up and I, I'm, I'm going to tell the truth. Sometimes uh, it doesn't it's not the best thing to say, but it's the truth, you know, and it's not necessarily not like in a bad sense. Um, it's just, uh, it's just pure honesty when we're talking about what our business is and, uh, and, but then it's, but then that allows, that allows the person that I'm working with to, to also open up and be more vulnerable. Um, which is, uh, it's it some, sometimes whenever we think about these things strategically and we don't, and we don't understand that we're assuming that we operate that way, I think it can sound a little like malicious, you know? Um, but yeah, like, I mean, on that side, we're, we're very conscious about, I'm going to actually try to just be friends with this person. Like, can, can I do business with this person? And I, and I'll tell you too, I've also had, I've also had conversations with people and that, that I thought I may have wanted to do business with. And then was like, ah, I don't really like that. I don't really like vibe with that type of person or whatever. And I don't do business with them anymore. And maybe it was, Maybe it was I'd kind of worked with them for a little bit and we had tried to drum up some business, but it just never worked out. And because we didn't really vibe, we don't do business together. And right. so being who you really are and really caring, you will naturally be pulled to people that that also give that back in return. Right. Yeah, and, I, and that's the beauty of true business is that that's low time preference because that takes a long time to develop. Right. You realize <clears throat> if you meet somebody who does have a low time preference and kind of an outward or future looking perspective, it's like, dude, you guys might not even be in the same companies you're in right now. But if you make that business connection, that's a small world. So like you always will, it'll always come back around just to Absolutely. put this in perspective. I feel like I would not be this way if I didn't get into Bitcoin. Bitcoin has forced me to care because Bitcoin has forced me to look at the world from a different viewpoint than I would ever have ever looked at it. I mean, I already looked at it from a pretty cold economics perspective. Like that was always my background. That's what I enjoy. Like I realize numbers are numbers, you know, it is what it is, but Bitcoin has changed my perspective. I'm like, Oh, it could be better. Oh, I care a lot. Oh, I'm probably like going to have to be this Bitcoin's free marketing because otherwise something else might overrun it. Oh, <laughs> I just want to create a podcast. Cause if I get anybody into it, if I get five people into it, 10 people into it, it was worth it because I got into it literally over a Bitcoin thread or a thread, a Twitter thread. It's just like, oh, I got to do this. So now in my life, I now have something like Bitcoin where like, dude, I've supported this thing because I believe in it because I've studied it because I'm like, OK, like this is really like the, I'm going to believe in this to the end. I do not care. I've run into so many people that it's like, oh, OK, like blah, blah, blah like ask questions. But I know how to care about something that other people don't believe in. And mm. that in and of itself is like, you could be at your own company, you could be in a meeting with somebody, but you can just it's tell. It's kind of a perseverance type of thing too, right? Yeah, you can just tell that somebody like, it's different than even our football experience. Like the Bitcoin thing at this point, I'm, like we have this podcast, we've, we've been 40, 60, 20, like we've been up and down. I've had all kinds of people tell me what, and like, 
I literally yesterday there was like a friend conversation. I heard somebody say something about like ETH's proof of stake. And I literally was like, no, I was literally just like, no, I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not, you guys can have this conversation, but I don't want to be here for it because that shit is a crap coin and it's not worth anything. And I could literally tell you like 10 different reasons why, like it doesn't mean anything. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I care, like I'm willing to do that at this point just because I'm not, I don't feel toxic. I don't feel any type of way. I've yeah. studied thousands of hours of this stuff. If there was another project or something of that nature that was better than Bitcoin or could complement it or whatever, I'm, I'm going to hop on that. I mean, I, I will. I'm not, I, I, I more or less don't care what it is, but I just feel like it needs to be, well, Bitcoin. I mean, like nobody's ever been able to do it twice because people don't care about you. Bitcoin doesn't care. That's kind of the whole point. It's trustless. And anything like Ethereum on down, and I guess this is a good segue into like what's going on now with ETH about to merge and all this crap. It's like, guys, that's awesome and everything, but that's you're missing the whole point of all this. You cannot trust anybody. You cannot base your decisions around any more uh, small groups making, making monetary decisions. You can't make your world work when it only comes from a room of six people. It just doesn't work. So with Bitcoin, it's like, I care. It's shown me how to care. It's shown me how to, maybe I've learned also how to properly care. You know, I can't just yell at people. I have to talk to them. I have to try to understand them. But ultimately, Bitcoin has really helped me do exactly what Nick was talking about. And that's just kind of like care about something, be in the real world, know how to have a low time preference, care about the little things, care about the little guy, you know, like take your time, don't get your feelings hurt in all these types of situations, but at the same time, care a lot, which is a very hard balance between not caring about certain things and caring a lot. You got to be able to brush stuff off, but uh, I mean, like, I don't know where you want to take it from here, brother, but like, that's what, I mean, Bitcoin has made me care and it, it does change the way you operate in business. It will change the way you interact with your friends. It will change the way you look at yourself quite honestly, because if you're truly open-minded enough, like Bitcoin is that like, it is that like life altering. I mean, it is from our perspective, I've said this on the podcast before, if you truly believe in it, it is literally the greatest discovery in human history since what flight. I mean, maybe even more than that to a degree, you know, in a different way, but that's kind of what I think. I, I, I think with the whole Ethereum thing, just back to that, it's like, <clears throat> You guys are true. Like you guys are missing that. And all the people who buy ETH, I'm telling you, do not feel the same way about ETH that I do about Bitcoin. Yeah. Promise you, guarantee you. People sure. who have way more money in it than I do will not continue to stack in. The investment Bitcoin. mindset is a complete shift in perspective. Yeah, I mean, it's. The, I'm telling you, like I know, I already know. There's thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people at this point that believe in Bitcoin more than the price of it. And there's nobody in the Ethereum ecosystem, including Vitalik, because I just saw a video that I quote tweeted yesterday on our account where he was like, yeah, me and the founders, I got them to sell 70,000 ETH basically at the top. That's what he said in an interview. Yeah, God, I saw you, that. Okay, so yeah. like, what are we? Okay, cool. I literally, like, I saw that. And I'm like, that's enough for me to go, what are we doing here? Like, what, what are we even talking about anymore? Let's build. They sold it at the top. Lightning and, Network and called yeah. it a day. Like, extracted all kinds of capital from the deal. Yeah. Well, so, so so think of it like this, right? So all we're talking about here is proof of work versus proof of stake, right? The True. proof of stake is the quick, not sustainable 
uh, answer, right? Um, and you're kind of talking about some of the the differences in the paradigm, right, of the mindset. Um, so I told you, uh, we were talking a little earlier that Janae and I were having this conversation about high time preference, low time preference, and, um, and, and balancing, right, having fun with that. Because we want to to go out and do things and kind of have experiences, right? Her and I love doing experiences together, um, but we've been we you pay money for those, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but we've been in a position where we're prioritizing. Hey, we were saving cash for the house, we're buying Bitcoin, and we're we're setting up we're we're setting up a longer strategic play, and and so that sometimes can feel as if we're sacrificing the fun and the enjoyment of life today. And so I was kind of thinking about it just for myself, right? Self-awareness is the big key in all of this stuff. Um, and, and so I was thinking about it myself, like, how do I feel? And uh, I, I wrote some stuff down here and uh, I got to hear your thoughts on it and tell me if, if you also feel the same. I find purpose and fulfillment in my work and hobbies. I enjoy my toil, my work, my labor. I have a great job that's fun with better people to work with. I have really interesting and fun hobbies in Bitcoin and the podcast, right, that we're doing here. I get to pursue and develop and progress in all that I do, right? All these different, these hobbies and what I'm doing for work, uh, those two paired together, I get to progress in all of those things, which is exciting, right? That, that's, that brings a level of fulfillment. When I get better, I feel good and celebrate. When I get worse, or stay at the same too long, or stay the same for too long, I feel bad and immediately look for ways to begin improving again, right? And that's, and that takes a lot of self-awareness, right? To feel, to feel kind of the downturn. I didn't get up and do my morning routine every single day this week. You know, that's like, I can feel that difference, right? But, but it takes some level of self-awareness to get to that point, right? Um, So as I continue this cyclical nature of life that seems to be, cyclical right I, I don't i don't know if you feel that same way but i kind of feel like there's there's just this natural ebb and flow of life um but as i continue this i become more aware of what is good for me and to do or what, what is good for me to do and what is bad for me to do so the thought was as as i continue the cyclical nature of life and i'm and I'm doing all of these different hobbies and things for work that I enjoy that I get to pro- progress in and, and develop in and see and see that progression and see that development. I find a ton of fulfillment in that, but I also become more aware of myself, right? And my mindset, right? So we're talking about proof of work versus proof of stake. Um, proof of work is, is, is the right answer. It may not be the easiest answer, but it's the right answer. Proof of stake is the easy answer and could be it, it could be an answer you know proof of stake could for sure work proof of stake could work if if all the actors were uh great actors and they were pious right you call them pious they were morally just people proof of stake could work but the fact of the matter is that that's not the case right so proof of work is the difficult answer because there's a lot of difficulty with it there, there comes some. There's that. There's this natural there's real world flow. challenges. There's real world challenges to prove. Yeah, before. there's yeah. a natural ebb and flow because we're because <clears throat> we're. It's not like we can just also mine Bitcoin, right? You think about the protection of the network. We can't just mine Bitcoin and not take resources from somewhere else, 
there is some there is there is a finite amount of resources in the world to some it's level, right? There's yeah. a trade-off, right? So so it's not that it's not that um it's not that Bitcoin is bad or anything like that, but there's a trade-off, right? So we have to decide, okay, we're gonna redirect this energy now here, and we're gonna redirect just a small portion of the amount of energy from the legacy financial system over to Bitcoin mining to preserve and protect the Bitcoin network, which is a fraction of a fraction of the energy use. And it does that and more. And now we've got all this extra surplus over here that we did not use since we switched to this new Bitcoin standard financial system that we can now redirect to other areas, right? It, it, it's, uh, it's beautiful to take less energy and do the same that you could do over here with more energy because then, then it becomes more efficient, right? And if we can remove a human element to it and it can just operate on its own, as long as we feed it energy, we just have to give it electricity, right? Think that's all, that's what it is. You just have to, you have to give it electricity, just like watering a plant. The, you don't, you don't make the plant grow. You just give it energy and nutrients. You fertilize it. You, you give it water. You just feed it energy, right? And, and we're doing the same with Bitcoin via the mining process and running nodes and verifying, running the algorithms and verifying all these transactions that are happening, right? And we know that it's obviously much more complex than that. But well, in order yes, to do that, energy gets more energy. efficient. The question is, energy needs to get more efficient, not Bitcoin. Energy needs to get better. We're Absolutely right. And so there, there's yeah. another there's another example of where the incentives are aligned to continue to make mm -hmm. more. It's just it's just this ever expanding need for innovation. It's, it creates this right. need for innovation, and the market will will move <laughs> to uh, to meet that need. You yeah, know? people don't people don't I don't think people understand the aspect of like Bitcoin and energy. Bitcoin is not draining energy. Bitcoin is not doing something that we're not already doing. We're already becoming short on energy. We're already having energy problems. We already are very inefficient, don't know how to move it, don't know how to use nuclear properly or are scared to. Um we don't want to mine more fossil fuels in the states, so it's a globalized uh industry. Actually, arguably, I mean, did like the energy industry, I mean, fossil fuels on down is a largely it's gold now. Wars are fought over energy. So to think that Bitcoin is the problem with energy is just a very I feel like you're I don't want to say uneducated, but I feel like you're not reading about like what is energy and how much better how much better can energy get aside from Bitcoin? Bitcoin is just here. It's just this monetary monetary network. And you'd be a fool to say, okay, well, all the energy that Nick just pulled up, all the energy of an air conditioner uses is uh, more important than protecting the world's monetary network so that everybody has access to a sound money. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would think that's actually a pretty good use of more energy than it uses, but in the end, at the end of the day, we as humans need to find a more efficient way to use energy, mine energy, produce energy, consume energy. We need to find a more efficient way of doing that. And Bitcoin actually is the next largest step to it, just because it can actually be hooked up to any form of energy for the most part, as long as it can still do what it needs to do. But most of the time, Bitcoin runs on wasted energy. I mean, that's where our government comes into play and <clears throat> just for the listeners, that's what a lot of Bitcoiners believe. 
at the end of the day, a lot of these states are going to go, okay, I do have a lot of wasted energy. You're telling me as the, a state government, I can authorize Bitcoin miners to ta tax-free mine Bitcoin with energy that was already going to be wasted? Oh, okay. And it's going to help our electrical grid? Oh, and it's going to secure? A oh, okay. That's really good. I, I like that. Well, everybody's going to do it because eventually people will get smart enough and they're just going to be like, what, what are you guys doing? The government can't hold it off that long. No, more or less do they want to because they're going to have to participate. The energy side of it, I don't know what you think, Nick. The energy side of it more or less might force politicians and governments to get into it just because they don't have more creative solutions. Solar and wind do not work. <clears throat> uh, electric cars across the country is not going to work the false narratives around fossil fuels are not going to work when everybody is starving. So I don't, I don't think that they have it right. And I kind of think that it's become a necessity at some point. Right. But I don't know. That's really good stuff though. You're writing on like proof of work, proof of stake. I mean, it's, it hits the nail on the head and it just more shows like, dude, <clears throat> proof of stake, bad proof of stake doesn't work. Not because it can't work, but because humans are the problem. And we should understand that at this point, we're not, we're not a computer and we're all biased and we all have our issues. We are not the solution. We are the problem sometimes. And if we can remove ourselves, things will get better. And that's what proof of work is. So you were talking a lot about some, uh, some of the energy stuff earlier. So I, I remember seeing this chart and I'm trying to go through this and read it a little bit to, to try to understand exactly what we're looking at. Um, let me see. Uh, if you look at the right sides of the graphs above and below, 100% of the overall usage decline was in rejected energy. What does that say? So 67.5% of the total, uh, I guess, consumption. Is that consumption? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usage. Yeah. Usage decline was rejected energy, which means we are getting more efficient with our energy but we still have a long way to go. So exactly. I'm trying to figure out what, what this rejected energy piece is here. Rejected energy, I believe. I mean, I'm sure there's like an actual template, but I'm going to say rejected energy for a large part is energy that doesn't get used. <clears throat> energy that Portion. goes in the ground and nothing happens from it. Of energy um, uh, that goes into a process that can you hear this? comes out generally as waste heat to the environment. So if you can, uh, anyways, I'm not going to read into all this stuff right now, but this was uh, an interesting, an interesting chart. I want to say it was something like the rejected energy was just lost energy basically. Or yeah, something I like mean, that. but that's the whole problem. Over half of energy produced in the United States gets wasted and or quote unquote rejected. I think that's yeah. the same thing. And because, that's a, because, that's a uh, problem. Like that, is that not a problem? Like do people not realize how much of a problem that is? The fact that, yeah. We don't have more creative solutions. Why? Because we won't. We will not do anything with nuclear, and we are stuck on fossil fuels. Not because they're bad, but because dinosaurs gave us coal, and we should be very, very thankful that they did. Because other planets, and why maybe there are UFOs or aren't UFOs. I listened to this one video, Nick. It was pretty cool. It was like we should be very happy that we have fossil fuels. Mostly because it was like a phenomenon that most other worlds may not have experienced. And we got to experience it. So we get fossil fuels like without coal, without fossil fuels, we would be nowhere. We would be literally still just like kind of figuring out 
gas. We'd be, uh, we'd be burning fires inside tents to stay warm. We'd have problems. Or, I mean, actually, I kind of believe we would have found other solutions because I, I believe like high, there's probably like, you know, there's probably like hydro energy, energy can pull. Like, there's probably all kinds of crazy stuff you can do on this earth that we have not figured out yet that are even better than nuclear per se. Sure. But, you know, we're not there yet or we haven't been forced into a corner to figure it out. I'm more of a like anything's possible because Nikola Tesla, isn't that a true thing? Like he discovered hydropower. I don't want to say anything that's going to get this podcast censored and canceled and the whole thing. <laughs> I'm uh, fairly certain know. there's been other ways to produce energy and it's been shut down largely by big bodies. Um, hey, but- I, I also, I got to give a shout out to this guy, Paul Mission. This dude is freaking hilarious with the memes. Look at this politicians scandal. I've tested positive for COVID-19. I feel fine and I'm, and I'm isolating. I'm thankful to be fully vaccinated and up to date on my boosters to keep me safe. That's so funny. <laughs> Dude, it's just, that it's just blow the line stuff, but I feel like that was a good place to end it with our podcast today. Your, your talk about proof of stake and proof of work. And I, obviously we're pretty happy. This podcast is growing. Um, we have some prospects in the future, everybody. If you're, I do feel like we might have some listeners to the end at this point. So for you at the end, we do have some big things coming. Yep. Uh, Nick and I are still pressing on. It's going to be a really fun journey. I feel like maybe by episode 100, the Bitcoin price might actually be back up to where it was. And then people will start actually asking us for advice. Don't, <laughs> don't quote me on that. But we're on a recorded podcast. So quoted. Yeah. Hopefully um, just kind of more good things to come, dude. But this is a great podcast. I always like. Yeah, so Griff, I didn't tell you, but I did meet uh, I did meet with some people um, yesterday, and we got it all moving in the right direction. So um, we have been communicating back and forth with the potential guest, or he, he has confirmed. We're just tacking down the date and all the details and stuff. Has confirmed. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. So coming August here, uh, we're gonna have some fun a fun a fun treat for you guys. Yeah, it's gonna be good, but. I don't know if Nick wants to leave anybody with anything, but this was a really good podcast. Whether you want to talk about just what's going on today, how people view Bitcoiners, you guys can find us on Twitter where we are always giving out great tweets, quote tweets, staying in the news. We are down in the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. So if you want what's really going on in the world, follow us on Twitter. I think we're going to get an Instagram up and going by the end of this weekend. I was on TikTok. No longer look for us on TikTok. Um, (laughs) It scares me, and I'm getting it off of my phone. Uh, <laughs> Instagram and Twitter, they take my data more secretively, so I'm okay with it. As long as, <laughs> as, long as it's not written That's in the terms of service, I'm okay with being duped. you know. But if they're putting the writing on the wall, aka TikTok, I have to be off. So yeah, get at us on Twitter, Instagram soon, and we got some big guests coming up. But other than that, peace. Peace.